Welcome to episode four of the Nordic Arts Agency podcast, a podcast connecting emerging and established international artists and art influencers from around the globe. I'm your host, Juliet, a British expat, art historian and gallerist based in Sweden. Every fortnight, I'm in conversation with an artist or art influencer whose artwork or insight inspires me personally. This week, we are joining American art consultant, art reviewer and co-founder and director of the brilliant Black Box Projects based in London, Kathleen Fox Davis. Our paths crossed briefly as we both worked in the Mayfair gallery scene, but since moving to Sweden, I've been following Kathleen with great appreciation as an art influencer. She contributes to Monocle Radio as a guest art expert, offering a commentary on the current art headlines, as well as reviewing gallery shows and art shows, especially as this month we celebrate International Women's Day. I wanted to discuss with Kathleen her role as a woman whose career has spanned across many planes in the art world, in both New York and London, in what is predominantly a male-dominated landscape. I'm also interested to unpack how the structure of the black box projects, which has no fixed gallery location, but selects prime locations for exhibitions, functions for her as she balances life as a busy businesswoman and a mother of three very young children. So a very warm welcome, Kathleen Fox-Davis, and thank you for taking time out of your incredibly busy life to join me on the Nordic Art Agency podcast. Well, thank you, Juliet. So it's been about a decade, I think, since I moved to Sweden and you settled in London a little yes. more, a little longer than that. That's right. Yes. Um, and I'm so interested to hear because you've been up to so much, especially the Black Box projects and the incredible artists which are represented and how that collaboration with the directors Anna Carriage and Jim Edwards came about. However, firstly, I'd love to understand how you see your role as a woman in the art world and as an art influencer today and how it's evolved since your time working in the Michael Hopping Gallery in London, which I think was around 2005? Yes, I started with Michael Hopping Gallery um, 2005, straight out of receiving my master's degree at UCL. I was very, very um, excited to be a part of the London art scene and like an overeager puppy to learn. <laughs> As a girl growing up in Dallas, Texas, it was all, um, it seemed like a dream come true. So I went into that gallery as a sales associate and basically was so delighted and happy to take any job that I could get my hands on and very quickly rose through the ranks to being his top um, sales associate and essentially helping to run that gallery in the course of the three years I was there. And I'm so, so, so grateful for the education that I got. I think the art world is um, a very different place now than it was pre-2007, 2008, um, which, you know, we're, we're in a world now that it's, it's changing by the day. And so it's, I feel really grateful to have had that experience of the boom time when it was, there was a lot of money being spent on art in London and getting the education that I got from Michael as he was one of the founders of the photography scene as a collectible art here in London, what, 30, 35 years ago. So it is really different. It's a bit more of a hustle now. Um, it's much harder. So we're, we're grateful for every um, client and every acquisition that we, um, a piece of art that we place within clients' homes and within major collections because it's not easy. And there are a lot of galleries and dealers out there that are fighting for a lot less of the piece of pie, really. It, it's a bit humbling 
to see how it all changes. And that, that's so interesting because you have the perspective, obviously, starting there and, and watching the industry change, as you were saying, dramatically, that, that the pieces of pie are much smaller and sort of few and far between, it feels, today, especially, I think, as everything's much more online. The galleries have to work even harder. And, and you've also run your own art consultancy and you took all of the knowledge and expertise that you learned there and from other galleries and you formed the Fox Davis Contemporary, where you assisted private clients in building their own art collections. When I think about um, your transition, it's very similar to how I actually established the Nordic Arts Agency back in 2010, um, which was driven by clients initially. But somehow I was drawn back into representing artists directly. And I certainly now feel like a great level of responsibility, particularly as the market is challenging, as you say. And I'm very passionate and dedicated to represent them and create that representation in Scandinavia as I work with them individually. Was this the same for you when you went about forming the Black Box projects? Was there a nurturing aspect of supporting and developing the artists and their creative practices? Absolutely. Um, you really, really articulated that well. Um, I, I founded um, Fox Davis Contemporary when I was um, starting my family. I had young children. I needed to be flexible with my time. I really wanted to stay involved with what I did. And that was a really important part of me and my identity, having a connection to the art and to clients and to the art world. So I continued. I, I, I did a lot of, um, of radio interviews and I did a little bit of writing for Monocle as well, just to stay focused in what I what I wanted to do. And I only, I only worked with a handful of clients because that's all that my time would allow me at that point in my life. But it was, it was so rewarding to be able to walk with my clients through galleries, to be able to take a different view because I wasn't, I wasn't pushing my own agenda of my own artists and my own gallery. It was, it was a really fun way of working and quite freeing after being with galleries for over 10 years and, and always really focused on on what our brand was and what the artists were doing. And it went, it was show by show. And it was like a, it was like a a moving carousel that never stopped. So that was fantastic. But at the same time, it was quite lonely working by myself. Um, I didn't have that same connection to the artists and, and to the depth of their careers and what they were doing and helping that, that, that nurturing part, but also creating those relationships between artists and clients. It was happening on a small scale, but not nearly what I wanted. And I really wanted to get back into a gallery and show the art that I was seeing that had no representation here in London yet. I don't know if your if your clients and your audience are quite aware of what the London art market looks like. Um, we are very big on contemporary. It is very flash. It's very sexy. But there is not a gallery in London that is focused solely on contemporary photography. You have photography as a sort of a secondary medium to the the artists that are working with painting when you're looking at the big blue chip galleries. And what we wanted to do, um, my partner Anna Kirich and I, we wanted to establish a, a art gallery that not only presented contemporary photography and artists working with photographic materials in a new way that was separated completely from the world of vintage and archive and mid-century photography that we all love and we see um, they're the they're the favorites when they come up at auction with Christie's and Sotheby's and Phillips. But we wanted this to be separate and a bit more of a conversation with, with what was happening globally within the contemporary art market and artists that were using 
photography as their medium, but not necessarily to record what was happening in a social way, but to use it as as their conceptual ideas. But we also wanted to be able to gear our exhibitions to the needs of what each artist. So that was part of the motivation for having Black Box, not having a permanent gallery space. We do move around. We have residencies. Um, We have worked only so far in central London locations, Mayfair, um, Fitzrovia, Soho. Um, But we will be venturing out to North London, to King's Cross in November, which will be a first for us. Um, And it's rather exciting. We have shown artwork in gilded chapels, gallery spaces that uh, one was an old rifle maker shop. So it had beautiful Victorian features and it really suited the artwork that we were showing. We've shown in white box spaces with the poured concrete floors and the high ceilings. And it, it really is just what the artist's vision for how their work is presented, allowing them the freedom to think bigger than what the four walls would be if we had a permanent space, which is quite exciting. My partners and I, we all have very small children and we wanted to be able to put the needs of our family and of what is traditionally been as a woman, private life that you don't talk about and you don't bring to the office. It's it's very much a part of our entire lives. And it's a part of the reason why we we want to do what we do. We want our children to be enriched by the the art that we have in our lives and the access to a different kind of education that it allows them and the experiences. But we want to also be able to be home with our kids when we want to. So when we don't have formal exhibitions on, we can be quite mobile and flexible about how we work. I am in Mayfair in the mornings having meetings, um, meeting with clients, installing artwork in Chelsea midday, but then I'm back home for when my kids come home from school and I get to sit with them when they have snack time and help do reading with them and, and, and I get to be home for bedtime before I head back out to whatever art event I needed to be at. And that's a real um, change in the way of working because normally you would be up from eight in the gallery, straight to the clients' dinners, straight to the other gallery opening, traveling on the weekends. And it was quite nonstop. And we wanted to do this in a different way, but not sacrifice on the quality of what we were doing and how we were exhibiting works. There is so much there I can relate to. (laughs) (laughs) You and I are living in a sort of parallel world. Apart from the fact that you have, um, I think you have probably, being in London, you've got much more demand on your time. I think Malmo is is moving at a slightly slower pace. But I, I love the way in which you and Anna were determined to do something where the family becomes inclusive because rightly, as you say, and I think in Sweden, we're very privileged here because ultimately um, men and women and emancipation is at the forefront of most businesses. And that's something which I'm very, I've really luxuriated in since moving here. But there is still that idea that, you, you know, the work and, and um family life is very separate but I think actually your flexible business model is delivering what you need primarily for your family and then everything is built around that and I think that's just so refreshing and and also I think for your artists I'm sure that you can actually create spaces for them where they know what's coming up um, and they're able to do the same in some ways it's a it's a kind of flow is that right it, it, it is we we consider the artists that we have as a part of black box projects our family and um i think that's what 
what really sets this um, this gallery, this project, apart from others that I've worked in or seen my colleagues work in. Um, and it's it's neither bad nor good. It's just how we've we've chosen to operate. That um, there are a lot of artists out there that we love and admire the work of, but don't fit into the family fold, and 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 our way of working. And the artists that we chose, particularly the the. Um, our inaugural artists, Liz Nielsen and Steve McLeod, they really understood our vision and they took a huge chance with us. They had, they have mammoth careers with their galleries in, in, um, particularly with Liz in other countries. She's represented by a top gallery in New York City. She has representation in Paris and, um, she didn't have London representation yet. And she could have had her pick of a lot of the, the big names and, she and her um, her partner who manages her studio saw what we were doing. They got it. And we are, are really humbled by trust that they that they've given us with with handling her career. Um, the same with with Steve McLeod. I mean, he's been he's been working since the early 90s. And I've been a longtime admirer of his work. And I worked with him in a previous gallery in London. And I placed his works when I was a um, independent art advisor and being able to be a part of his journey now as you're really seeing the artwork that he is creating it's changed his tone has changed he's become um, a lot more I think brave in in the scale of what he wants to do and the um, the intellect that's behind it and uh, it's it's been such a joy to be on that journey with him and that he's allowed us to show his work in quite funky ways. I mean, we we had a fantastic exhibition, and it was in a gilded um, chapel in Fitzrovia. Uh, it was incredible, and um, that's where we hosted our Christmas party. And it was just a it was just a bizarre gallery setting, but it really worked for the for the artwork. And and he went along with us on this and and got it. And it's it's quite exciting because oh. it's a constant challenge. And I don't even know if I answered your question, but I was very <laughs> enthusiastic about what I said. I think also something which you, we, you touched upon, which I think is interesting, is the traditional gallery-artist relationship which existed. And I'm not being overly dramatic, I think, when I think those were very much dictated by m- men who were the primary gallery owners. Yes. I think that kind of cloak-and-dagger relationship where the artist was sort of hidden and the gallerist could basically do as they pleased. I think that's totally reductive now because as women especially take more nurturing approaches to artist management and also supporting their clients in a much more kind of full service, um, personal way of dealing with artists and client. I think it's something that the artist gravitates towards. And I, I know that the fit between you and Liz, for example, Liz Nielsen is very much the fit which I felt with many of my artists where they could have gone with other because I have them exclusively for the whole of the Nordics which is a big kind of chunk of business for them big region it's a big region but they ultimately what I want to do and the relationship that we share is much more part of a sort of family in that I feel very um responsible for them and in turn they feel much more dedicated to me and when a client buys something I take literally you know I take a photograph of them in their house it's very exciting I share that moment with the artist the client's really thrilled to have more connection with the artist so that whole kind of cloak and dagger mysterious gallerist taking a big cut and the artist waiting to be paid eventually for me that's just been revolutionized especially as women are you know running that more 
you know, nurturing, developing role. I think that's something which I'm really proud of. And I also am really delighted and proud for you as I watch you in the industry and your successes, because I know that you've chaired a panel discussion at the London Arts Fair last year, and the Black Box Projects was featured in the Financial Times Weekend with, yes. with a lovely tutorial. And I want to hear you reviewing gallery shows from local radio. These accolades are no mean feat in such a competitive art space. And they're certainly ones that I really sort of celebrate for you when I watch you doing all oh, these thank things. thank you. The gallery girl position, which potentially we, we were all kind of part of at one point, where I think there was actually a weekly column in the Times when I was living in London, where there was this sort of dizzy-headed gallerina who worshipped at the altar of contemporary commercial oh, dear. art. <laughs> Do you think we are now living in a time where women as art entrepreneurs and art influencers are taken seriously and are presented with equal opportunity? Um, I definitely think so. And I think that there's a real um, appreciation to what we as women can bring to the table. Um, as you were talking about, it's just, it's a different relationships with our artists. It's a different way of dealing with our clients. Um, and I find that both the artists and the client have, have been wanting that. They've been wanting um, more transparency. They've been wanting interaction that's not simply transactional. Um, and the artists want to be involved in how we're presenting them and and how they're out there. And I think clients want to have a different way of engaging with with the artwork within the gallery space, that it's not just, I go, I see, I inquire, I buy. So with Black Box Projects, we, we try with every show that we do to have some sort of family element. So we have hosted family days where it is announced and our, our our clients are invited to bring their children purposely to the gallery and we understand that it's going to be loud it's going to be a bit chaotic but it's actually quite fun to have that sort of life breathed into a space that normally has always been quite reverent in in the quiet whispers that you feel that you you have to to speak in when you're in you know a, the white box of the gallery space with the gallery attendants in the corner desk sort of eyeing you to see what your watch and shoes look like and if you're worthy of being spoken to um we have hosted um we had a fantastic interactive make your own cyanotype photogram workshop in mayfair on a saturday and it was it was freezing it's it was a unseasonably cold March. And we had families come out. We had food. It was messy. Kids were sitting on the floor, cutting out their shapes to place on their cyanotype and then exposing it outside. We had big tubs of water out on Hanover Street with all the posh Saturday shoppers um, heading to Bond Street with us out there rinsing out cyanotypes and getting messy. And it was fantastic. And people stopped to ask what we were doing. And families there was no there was no commercial aspect to that at all that's a byproduct of of coming to a gallery on a saturday and learning about how to make a photogram and we take time to talk to our client whether it's going to be a, end in a transaction or not we take that time whereas before i'd been in galleries where you could not arrange to have a coffee with a client unless you could put a value on what you were doing that day and how much you were going to get from them which is an insane way to work when art is so much about fulfilling our, our spiritual selves and creating spaces of beauty in our lives and things that challenge us and inspire us. And it, it can't be quantified um, down to a, sing, a singular figure for what your deal of the day is going to be. It's a privilege to work with us and it's a privilege to be able to enjoy art. But I think the joy factor is so often forgotten yes. when 
everything becomes very sort of sterile and about the deal of the day. And I think you uh, just describing that experience, you know, it bringing bringing family along. I think it, it it just creates a whole different dynamic, which means that art just becomes much more accessible and much more integ- in, you know, integrated within lives of people in a natural way, rather than just buying for the sake of purchasing something which gives you kudos. You've obviously tailored these exhibitions and structured the timings, like you talked about the gilded um, church space. You must have learned a great deal as you've developed the process. So there's something quite experimental about putting the black box projects in different locations, sort of evolving and fresh continuously. It is. We are constantly going back to our mission statement to remind ourselves um, why we're, we're mobile and moving around because a significant day on any given week is doing things that don't have much to do with the art world, scouting new, new sites, always keeping an eye out. I, the amount of times my partners and I have um, sent pictures of empty shop fronts back and forth to each other just randomly because we were en route from A to B and happened to pass something that could be interesting if we kept it in mind later. But uh, we become experts in real estate and um, real estate negotiations, which is never something I thought I would I would be great at or have as part of my working day. It's, it is hard because it does take focus away from what we want to be doing. We've just had our two-year birthday from our launch and um, we've learned a lot of hard lessons. I mean, there has been a, a definite learning curve. When you sit in a gallery, you don't have the pressure on making an exhibition work. And when you're doing a more um, loose pop-up model, where people don't know necessarily where to find you in between, our exhibitions feel more like art fairs with the amount of people and energy we have coming through, which is also the benefit that we have a lot of people and energy <laughs> coming through. Um, but it's it's condensed into spurts. So it very much feels like um, we're in a sprint-based um, business model rather than a marathon. The traditional gallery, especially where I'm located with a relatively small population, I have to obviously reach out. I do pop-ups, I do exhibitions, I also do a lot online. It's covering all bases. And I, and I, I agree with you in a way. In some ways, the, the FOMO factor, the, the sprint factor that you, you've got something that's got a finite yeah. period of <laughs> wonderfully attractive about that. But then the recall is that you need to feel as though you've captured the audience enough that they'll know to retain you but I, I think what you're what you're doing is really interesting because you're obviously going to be perfecting and sort of carving out future locations and future projects based on all the research that you've gleaned in the last two years. And I've absolutely no doubt, Kathleen, it's going to be you know a, a, a significantly important movement that you're creating. Oh, thank you. No, it definitely. I mean, what I've seen, the quality of the work that you execute and you, that you exhibit is wonderful. I know that you had two exhibitions planned for the spring, one in April at the International Art Fair for Photography in New York. And sadly, that's been cancelled due to um, the global coronavirus crisis. But you have Photo London in May, which sounds incredibly exciting. Yes, we are. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're even more excited about Photo London. As, as our home um, fair, we are, are really happy to be supporting um, again, they they as a um, organization took a huge risk with us at the very beginning. We applied for Photo London before we had ever hosted an exhibition when we were very, very young. Um, we had an ex- uh, a, a complete exhibition by Steve McLeod. We wanted to show it. We knew that that was the platform we wanted to show it on for the first time. Um, 
showed at Photo London with a 40 square meter space. So we will be returning for the third year. Um, we are moving up from the discovery section into the main pavilion and that's in that center courtyard. We will be showing a different version of our fundamentals exhibition, which we uh hosted last autumn just after freeze in London and it's all um, contemporary photographers who are looking at their at their own contemporary practice through the lens of the very fundamental traditional photography methods so you have um an incredible American artist called Joni Sternbach and she makes tintype works which the skill of creating these these beautiful works is um, there's not many people in the world that do what she does, but even more amazingly, she does them in, she has to make them in situ, but she photographs surfers. That That's the series that she's been working on for the past few years. So she is creating tintypes with antique cameras on in a beach setting. She has to process that tintype within minutes of when it was taken a visionary standpoint as well. We'll be showing um, Joanne Dugan, who is a American artist who's working completely cameraless. She was inspired. Um, it was when was the when was the blackout? It was when Sandy. When was that? Was that 2017 when Sandy yeah. hit New York yeah. and just knocked everything out? And she had always been a camera-based photographer prior to that, but as she's bicycling around the city at night and there's just very few lights some some headlights but not, the buildings are just dark we allowed her camera in a very street um photography style to to capture what was happening sort of at a hip level and she was so taken by the, the light and almost void of forms because it was they were just contrast black white um and it pushed her into working completely without a camera, just focusing on the light. So everything she does is darkroom based, inserting the artist's hand back into creating the work. So she's working silver gelatin prints in the darkroom, um, creating images just with the, the light of her enlarger. And they're, they're phenomenal and they're delicate and they're op art-esque in, in their... Um, their way of working. So that's just a few. I'm not going to go through all of them, but we'll be showing, I believe, six artists on our stand. So it will be um, jam-packed full of goodies and fun. And um, even more exciting, we will be placing a large-scale sculpture by Adam Yepsen on the terrace um, outside of Somerset House. It's a public space, and it's where Gavin Turk's egg was located last year. And it is a, um, a two-and-a-half-ton photographic sculpture of a cyanotype suspended in, in white mineral oil are otherworldly and quite um, disarming when you approach these on a small scale. So I'm really excited to see it in the monumental scale that we'll be placing there. So watch this space. I'm going to definitely join you in May. In Good. London. Oh, that's um, great. Because I haven't actually seen any of the work, you know, in the flesh. So I'd absolutely love to visit in May. You, so you you need to. That's that's one of the um, the shortcomings of the the type of work that we do, and the fact that a lot of the art world is work works on the internet now, and a lot of things happen through artsy and emails and websites. Is that you have to stand in front of our our the work as, because they are objects and there's life to them, and you just don't get that when it's a JPEG on a screen. So we're hoping to to engage our 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 audience and our clients and our friends to to slow down and to practice looking again and experiencing mm. the art um as as something within their space i could not agree more with you 
Thank you so much, Kathleen. It's been wonderful. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, to hear all the adventures that you're on as a woman in the art world, doing everything on such a high level. And I just can't wait to see what what you do the next decade. It's going to be thrilling, I'm sure. Thank you so very much, Juliet. I'll be including links to Black Box Project's Instagram and website in the show notes, where you can also find all of their artists and events. And also a full biography of Kathleen and links to her Instagram. This April, the Nordic Art Agency will be collaborating with Hansa, the premier department store in southern Sweden, creating a 500 square metre art pop-up for the entire month of April. This is the first time Hansa has ever had an art gallery takeover in the store and I'm very proud and excited to be sharing the Nordic Art Agency's international artists and presenting a very unique curation of contemporary art and sculpture. We shall be partnering with Gallery Lomi, another gallery from Malmö, one of the most exciting and innovative galleries in Sweden. And on the podcast in two weeks' time, I will be in conversation with Michael Eskilsson, one of the founders of Gallery Lomi. This is such an exciting opportunity for our artists and clients, and I cannot wait to share what the pop-up experience will have in store at Hansa. So until next time, bye-bye.